Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Cover some familiar ground in a couple moments, but we're going to see some things old and some things new. Uh, but let's open our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. And I want you to get in the mode today to kind of learn some things, pick up some things. I don't know that we're going to get our shout on as much as our learning in. So uh, get ready for that, and you'll be glad you, you came out today. Father, I thank you for meeting needs today. I thank you for opening eyes today and hearts. Help us to understand uh, these truths, Father. Uh, and if we leave here, God, with, with these insights, I, I know lives will, will change. So, Lord, do what only you can do. And we give you all the honor and all the glory. And the church says... Amen. The writer of Proverbs says, King Solomon, he says, death and life, the greatest evil and the greatest good that can happen in a human life are in the power. Now, the Hebrew word translated power is the word yod there, Y-A-D, which simply means hand. And if we could transliterate this a little bit, the scripture is saying that your death and your life are in the hand of your tongue. In other words, your tongue is your spiritual hands. Is I can either help or harm someone physically with my hands, I can likewise have the same impact with my words. Idia means someone we don't quote very often comment. He said this. He said, there is freedom of speech, but I can't guarantee freedom after a speech. And that's exactly how the devil operates, trying to entrap us and ensnare us through our ill-chosen words. And the, the writer of Proverbs goes on to say, and those who love it will eat nourishment from its fruit. What's being said here is that the quality of your speech will determine the quality of your life. So if you do not like what's going on in your life, the first place to check is not your family line. It's not your credit line, nor your waistline. But the place you need to check is just one inch beneath your nose. We give license to life or death, blessing or cursing, God or Satan, through the things we say to ourselves, we say about ourselves, and the things we say to one another. Mark 11 and 12, again, a familiar passage but I want us to watch how Jesus applied this principle in his ministry. Now, the next day when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. The word of God had become flesh, and Jesus so submitted to the human frame uh, that he had similar limitations, and, and, and he experienced our most basic needs and our most basic hurts. And, and Jesus knows what it is. God knows what it is to be human. He knows what it's like to go through everything that we go through in our lives. 
You see, in this book, we see that God has a very long history of meeting us wherever we are to take us wherever we need to go. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves. Now, Jesus grew up in this area, and from the time he was a boy, all the kids knew that the fruit on the fig tree normally appeared right after the leaves. So he went to, to see if perhaps he would find something on it. And he just did what any hungry person would do. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. Jesus had every practical reason to expect something worthwhile on that tree. But then fallen reality hit him in the face. For it was not yet the season for figs. So it may have been that Jesus just planned to kind of eat the more bitter early uh, fruit that, that was on that, that tree that budded early. Or it could be that the tree was actually uh, uh, representing itself to have the sweet, you know, full fig on its vine. But either case, the tree was a lot like fast food. It advertised something that it didn't really provide. Yeah. Where's my burger? We were supposed to show a burger, but that's okay. In response, Jesus walked away. No. He used his spiritual hands. He did what we must learn to do. He used his words as weapon. In response, Jesus said to it, you see, in the natural, we fight with fists. We might throw a bomb or use some gunpowder. But in the spirit, our battles are, are waged by what we believe and what we say. You see, the battle in our lives first happen in our hearts. And then what comes out of our mouth is proof of which side is winning on the inside. Jesus uh, enlarges on this point. Luke 6 and 45, he said this. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Jesus is telling us that there's a direct correlation between what comes out of our mouth and what's in our hearts. So if you really want to know what's in your heart, start paying attention to the things that are coming out of your mouth. See, sometimes my challenge, probably like your challenge as, as, as a church leader, you know, I, I have to fulfill a certain role and, and, and I, 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 there's certain responsibilities on me. And, and I could find myself sometimes not always being honest with myself. So what I've learned to do in my prayer time is sometimes just start talking till I start telling the truth. You see, when I'm talking to you, I'm your pastor. When, when I'm talking to someone else, you know, I'm a Christian. But, but I've learned to just kind of... To, to understand what's going on in the inside of me, start talking to the only one I really trust. Or sometimes I even do it with my wife. I'll just start talking. And then I'll find out, I, sometimes I don't like what I hear. But, but you know, when, when I hear me say it, then I can start diagnosing where my problem is. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So, so you can become so disciplined in your speech that you don't really know what's going on on the inside. So, so that's why prayer and, and, and having people you can trust in your life is so, so very, 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 very important. But what we see here, Jesus 
always spoke. He didn't care what nobody thought. He wouldn't talk about he was a Christian. Or he would just say, I say what I want to say. And that was just who Jesus was. I, I, I appreciate him about that. But whatever came out of Jesus' mouth revealed God's heart. So what Jesus is about to say next is going to reveal God's attitude toward things that mislead us, things that falsely represent things to us they can't deliver. We're about to see God's heart. And if you capture his heart, you're, you're about to capture a lot. Uh, Mark 11 and 14. In response, Jesus poured salt on a tree. No. Jesus got an ax and started cutting down a tree. No. He used his spiritual weapons. Stop beating up on people. Husbands, stop hitting your wives. He used his real spiritual weapons. He said, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. Now, Jesus, who's generally patient, generally just tremendously kind. This tree was about to catch a case of the hands. But notice, Jesus did not blame the tree's past. He did not blame the tree's DNA. He didn't even blame himself as God for the tree's choice. If we're going to learn from Jesus, we have to stop letting another person's irresponsibility become our responsibility. Yeah, that was pretty good. Maybe, just maybe, instead of asking others why they keep doing the things that they keep doing to us. Maybe we should ask ourselves, why do we keep allowing it? Jesus would not tolerate this in his path. The Bible says and his disciples heard it, meaning he spoke loud enough for others to hear. We cannot change what we do not confront. Did I tell you a little secret? But I'm going to tell you real low because this just has to stay between you and I. Okay, say real low. Truth only sounds like hate to those who hate truth. Mark 11 and, and 20. Now in the morning, though life and death were in the power of the tongue, Jesus had spoken to the tree, but evidently nothing happened, at least to the eye. They did not see visible results until the next morning. You see, I don't know how long it's going to take for your morning to come, but if you keep speaking life to what's right and expiration to what's wrong, eventually a change is going to come. As they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up, from the roots. Just because your problem stays green for a little while doesn't mean that what you're saying is not having an impact beneath the surface. And you know, particularly when you raise teenagers, you know, it doesn't always seem like they're listening. It doesn't seem like they're paying attention, but it might take 18 years, but they'll be at a conference somewhere. And what you've been saying to them every morning since they're a little baby boy, the light bulb comes on and all of a sudden they know that they know and oh my God. That's right. You see, God is far more concerned about getting to the root of our problem than just dealing with its berries. 
And Peter, remembering that he spoke to the tree, though on the surface nothing happened, he gets all excited. He's like, Rabbi, look. You see, Jesus wasn't all excited because he believed what he said when he said it. He didn't have to see it to believe it. In fact, when God created the earth, he didn't get all happy. Oh, my God, it worked. When he said light be, he expected light to be. That's, that's the way he was. See, only Peter was amazed when he saw it. You see, if God could create the earth in six days, should we be surprised what he could do with a fig tree in one? He said, the fig tree you have cursed has withered away. Now, there's power for both life and death in our tongue, power to both curse and bless. But here's the problem. We tend to curse the wrong things. You see, people, well, Jesus never cursed people, only things. Jesus never cursed people, sometimes behaviors. You see, I've been pastoring just for a minute. Most believers really don't have to worry about a witch putting a root on them. Most believers really don't have to worry about somebody putting a, some type of curse on them and sprinkling chicken blood. Or we really don't have to, to, to worry about that. You know why? Because nine out of ten times, nine out of ten times, we're doing such a great job ourselves yes. through the power of our own tongues. Yes. Maybe instead of cursing ourselves, I mean, just releasing death over and over again, and you have what you say is it's true on the good side and the bad side. Yes. Instead of saying nothing ever works out for me, how about saying all things work together for my good? Maybe instead of saying, I never get a break, I, that never works out for me. I mean, how about Psalms 37 and, and 23? The steps of a good man, a good woman are ordered by the Lord. Maybe instead of saying, you know, I'm always uh, alone and no one will ever be there for me. How about Hebrews 13, 5? For he himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Maybe instead of saying, you know, everything always goes wrong for me and, and mine. How about Deuteronomy 28 and 13? And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath. You're having what you say but you're saying the wrong things. Maybe instead of saying, if it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck. How about Psalms 5 and 12? You surround me with favor like a shield. How about instead of looking at that child, looking at your wife and saying, you are absolutely impossible. How about Luke 1 and 37? For with God, nothing will be impossible. Instead of saying, you know, when a thing goes wrong, you know, great, my day is ruined. What about Psalms 118 and, and 24? This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. You see, the issue is not what happens as much as your response. And Satan knows all he got to do is let something go wrong. You're going to start cursing yourself. You're going to start cursing your life. And it becomes a vicious cycle that kind of snowballs. And the more you curse it, the more it happens. 
And it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You say, well, the only reason I'm saying that is because that's what's happened. But you don't understand. It's happening because you keep saying it. So if you go to the root of that thing, you might be able to reverse that thing. Mark 11 and 22. So Jesus answered. He wanted to remove the mystery behind the miracle to, to, to all his disciples and reveal the principle. You know, I'm learning in my life that just as sure the principles of nature are, I mean, whether it's gravity or or what have you, the principles of God's word will always work if I work them. That they are not, you see, a principle happens anywhere on the globe just by virtue of the fact, a law, better put, happens all around the globe no matter who you are, whether the law likes you or dislikes you. Meaning I can get in a plane in Tokyo, I get in a plane in a communist country, I get in a plane in in, in a uh, monarchy, I get in a plane in a democracy, but you know what? No matter, you know, what the laws of thrust and lift might feel about the country it's in, it works. And what I'm learning about God's word is that they are laws. Meaning it'll work in America, Nigeria, Europe. It'll work when I'm on a mountain, when I'm in, if I'm in the valley. It, it'll work if, if it worked in that family. It could work in my family. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. These principles are laws. And, and um, how many would like to fly in an airplane if the airplane only flew if you really believed? Yeah. I mean, you'd be checking everyone's church attendance before they got on the plane and everybody walking in with Bible. I mean, it'd it'd be a whole thing. But because it's a law, you're not asking that question. And when you realize certain things in God's kingdom are a law, you stop wasting your time trying to believe. That's it. That's it. You just trust the law. So Jesus answered and said to them, He's about to explain it. Have faith in God. Here's my point. It doesn't take faith to say what you see. It takes faith to to say what you don't see. So if you keep calling your wife, that old lady, I ain't ain't no more attracted to you, and you keep saying it over and over and over and over and over and over again, don't be surprised when she starts looking old. Don't be surprised when, when she doesn't seem attracted. Don't, don't be, you're just so evil. You say, don't be surprised when she gets even more evil. Because you're not living by faith. The Bible said the just shall live by not have moments of on Sunday. But it will be a lifestyle of faith. When my kids come into the house acting crazy, I, I'll acknowledge the crazy. I'll say, this is crazy, but son, I see better things in you. You understand what I'm saying? Son, son, I, I see seeds of rice, seeds of greatness on the inside of you. Sometimes you got to speak things that are not as though they were. And you say, well, I do that with cars and houses. What about people? Those who need it the most. And then Jesus said, for assuredly, he's teaching principles here. He's about to die. He's going to lead a planet. And these guys are going to be the only ones left with the gospel and the kingdom. So he's making sure they get it right. He said, for surely, no exceptions and no exclusions. It's a law, meaning. I say to you. You see, the miracle was not just something Jesus could do. It was something he was trying to teach the disciples to do. Watch this. He said, y'all are all gas, all you know, excited about what I just did. Oh, Jesus, you, you cursed the tree. He said, Peter, I say to you, 
whoever. Is anyone in this room a whoever? Yeah. So this applies to you and to me. He said, whoever, man. I know, I know you saw what I just did, but whoever says to this, I guess they were near a mountain, so it was just easy and obvious to point to, who says to this mountain over there, Jesus was saying something here. He was saying that the mountains in your life are waiting to see what you have to say about them. Yeah. So, so stop just talking to God about your mountains and start talking to your mountains about your God. It's important. I'm teaching you something now. If you, you just apply half of this, you, you're going to be better. He said, whoever says to their friends, mm-mm. writes about their mountains in their journal, mm-mm. nothing wrong with those things, but whoever says to this, this mountain, you got to speak to the problem. Mm-hmm. Be removed and cast into the sea. You see, Jesus has given us authority to tell our mountains what to do and also to tell them where to go. And if you get to the place that you don't doubt in your heart, see, this is where people miss this point. It's not just about saying it with your mouth. It's getting so full of God's word that you start to believe it in your heart. And over time, instead of believing your doubts, you start to doubt your doubts. You see, when I'm in trouble, I'm different than a lot of folks. And it's not that I'm any better than anybody. It's just I learned to do this. A lot of folks, you know, they're in problem. They turn to this, they turn to that. And a lot of it's not good for them. But when I really, I know I'm in trouble. The family's in trouble. The church is in trouble. The family in the church is in trouble. The neighbor's in trouble. What I learned to do is turn everything else off and just pull aside and feed my faith until all my doubts begin to starve. And I don't have a formula for this, but I, I, I can't quite explain it. But at some point when, when I just get into God's word and, t- and get rid of all the rest, sometimes it takes a week, sometimes it takes months. There's been times, some issues have even taken years. But all of a sudden there's a click. And you just know that you know that you know. Yes. Can't quite explain it, but all your doubts have been eradicated. But that can only happen. See, what I'm talking about today, most people aren't going to be into because this is for the serious disciple. This is for someone that really wants to get answers in there. Not not just a little church fix. I'm talking about answers in your your life. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed, cast in the sea, and does not doubt in his heart. See, here's what I know. Doubt kills more dreams than a failure or failures ever will. You know, I, 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 I used to be so uh, intimidated by my doubts, like, why do I get rid of this doubt and all the rest? But, but then I, 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 I learned something. I said, you know what? If I just have to doubt something, you know what I'm going to doubt? I'm going to start doubting my limits. And if you just have to doubt something, doubt your limits. Doubt your doubts. Doubt your unbelief. And if he does not doubt his heart, but believe that those things which he what says, not what he thinks, but what he what says will be done. 
Now, done in this context only happens after we say it. You see, nothing haunts us like things we don't say. You know, that loved one that passes and you, did, you just, man, I just wish I could say. And I think if many of us could, could really live our, relive many of our lives, if I just would have said what I should have said. It's better to have a oops than a thousand what ifs. And what's it going to hurt you to begin to say what God says about you? You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media. 